Five to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! He hit it! He, he, it. it. he hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh. Oh. oh! 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 Sent it in, Jerome! Oh. <laughs> College basketball! This is March Madness! Here we go. It is Mad About Hoops. I am Timmy Hall alongside evil, bald Colin. Colin, it's good to see you. We are in the thick of it now. Week 10 of the college basketball season. It's our ninth edition of Mad About Hoops. Please give us a review. Give us a star rating. Listen to us wherever you can. I mean, you're listening to us somewhere right now, so we appreciate that. We're available anywhere you can Catch your podcast, so just plug it in. Mad about hoops. Tell your friends. If you got some friends that are gigantic college basketball fans, tell them about us. We would certainly appreciate it as we're still still in the infancy stages here, just getting the ball rolling. But we're a couple of nervous Buckeye fans right here. We're in Columbus, Ohio. We are a couple of nervous Buckeye fans, to say the least. I think nervous is the best way to put it. And I'll just ask this straight out of the gate because I've been thinking about this for the past couple of hours leading into recording this. We're talking about... You know, going forward, you don't want to go through what you did last January. And unfortunately, you're starting on that pace right now. Is Saturday versus Indiana in Assembly Hall a must win? Yes, of course it is. I agree. Of course it is. But the fact that we have to even ask that right now is scary to think about. It is. It is. I mean, Colin, you will be you'll be one and four if you lose that game. Oh, your your chances of the Big Ten? will pretty much be out the window in terms of the regular season. Sure. You'll be four games behind Michigan State. That's too disappointing, you know, that this is a team that had expectations, and that's, look, that's the way it works, right? That's the the way the world works. I I kind of, you know, looking at Ohio State's, you know, side of things, would look at, you know, that first year that Chris Holtman and his staff got here, and that was just a whole lot of fun because the expectations weren't there. And you were you had that feeling that you were the underdog every time you went into a game, but you started to get confidence because you had Kata Bates-Diop, who wound up being the Big Ten Player of the Year, and you actually did have a chance. You had Caleb Wesson as a freshman, a pretty unique guy to bang down low, and Kata Bates-Diop as the Player of the Year who could do a bunch of different things. But it's it's just different now. I mean, you, you're going to get to that point where you'll have expectations. You'll be a preseason ranked squad and everybody's going to be gunning for you. But you you pulled away with some incredible wins. That's what's crazy about this team here. It feels still better than what last year's 12-1 and one was, but it still needs to be said, last year's team was 12-1 and one at one point and then it all fell apart. This team is sitting at 11-4 and four right now, as good as they are. Yeah, it's a pretty disturbing trend. But I I will say that first year was something just magical because you're talking about a team that relied on a guy that was coming off a major knee injury. So you didn't really know what you were getting with Keita Bates-Diop. And then he goes and turns into one of the top players in the nation. Right. And then, like you said, pairing it with Andre or Caleb Wesson. And with this team this year, I I think it's, and I told you this after the game last night, I think it's more of a mentality thing. I think the ghost of 2019 January is starting to creep into the minds of these guys. I think because we've seen them play better. We've seen them shoot better. I I saw the statistics. They were shooting 49% from the field in the first 12 games. 
And then since during that losing streak, obviously, they're shooting around like 28%. Like, there's just got to be some type of divide mentally because it's not physically. Are you a believer, though, that shooting is connected to every other part of the game? Because I am. Describe what you mean. Like, you, like it's too easy to say, oh, we just didn't shoot the ball well. Oh, we just couldn't make a shot. That's why we lost. There, there are always going to be times when your shot comes and goes. But aren't you always coached at a certain age to go and find your shot or you have little tricks and things up your sleeve, whether that's attacking the basket, trying to get to the free throw line, changing up the looks that you're taking, right? If you, like Luther Muhammad, shouldn't have gotten to 0 for 6 from three-point land last night. That was ridiculous. And by the way, we're recording this on January 8th on a Wednesday. Got some big college basketball games coming up the rest of the week that we'll set the table for. We had a big Tuesday in college basketball here in Week 10, and we're right now talking about Maryland beating Ohio State in a battle of top 15 teams. Ohio State surely not going to be a top 15 team if they don't beat Indiana on the road to finish up the weekend. But back to what I was saying about shooting is I think it's too simple just to say, oh, if we're shooting the ball better, we'd win. That's, come on. Well, I agree with that because what have we been talking about for the past couple of games? It's been the turnover. So you're talking about easy baskets and transition. Right. I can count numerous times where Maryland got a turnover and got an easy transition basket. Correct. And that's the difference between a close game where they were trending between seven to eight points all night. They weren't that far down for shooting as bad as they were. It's the extracurriculars. How much is putting a good, soft shot up at the basket How much does that also have to do about how you're feeling about yourself, about your team, about what you've been accomplishing in practice, about what you've been accomplishing in the most recent games? It is a game. How many times do you hear someone on a broadcast or anywhere just say it's as annoying to us as recruiting is the lifeblood of any program? We say it all the time with football. It matters in hoops too. basketball is a game of runs, right? Basketball is a game of runs. It's a sport like that, too. You have to be confident. You have to be dialed in. All facets of the game, they are connected to where it's not just, oh, we're not shooting the ball well anymore. If we're just hitting these shots, things would be different. No, no, it wouldn't because you've got to rebound better. You've got to get out and transition better. You've got to take better care of the ball on offense. Like you said, when you give up easy buckets going the other way, that takes a little bit of the wind out of your sails for when you're going to go and set your offense up and taking a bad shot, maybe 20 seconds into the shot clock. No, I definitely agree. I mean, there was different aspects of it, even on the defensive side. While they had a pretty good game overall defensively, there were moments where, you know, they may have been over-aggressive on the way they approached a pick, and that led to an open three. And you saw Maryland in the first half, I believe, was like 7 of 10 from three. It's the little things that kind of just add up throughout the entirety of the game. While you might play an overall good game on the side of the court, it doesn't always add up that way because of just the little things that happens throughout the game. And I'm not just saying that for Ohio State, okay? Like, that's basketball theory. Like, that lives inside me. Like, I I would never just throw away a loss and say, oh, we just couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. You know, I would I would never go and do that after a game is over because there is always something else that you can be doing. I mean, especially when you talk about how you have athletes at this level, right? You just, you never want to, I guess there's a certain point in time when you can use injuries, right? 
It's just sure. reality, factual, right? Teams missing for North Carolina's case. We can talk about them and who's gone. And Roy really making some news here for some comments he made on his radio show, which we'll get to. Roy is, it's boiling over for the old daggum Roy out there in Chapel Hill. I'm not mad about it, but either way. I'm not losing sleep. I'm not losing sleep over that. It was one of Ohio State's great wins, but if UNC's got to have a down year, the world needs to correct itself every once in a while. It's the Doherty year maybe popping up again, which you thought would never happen. But yeah, it's injuries, not shooting the ball well, certain things that... Yeah, it could be true, but you don't ever want to lean on that as the issue, as the reason, because that's basketball, baby. It's just deeper. Uh, we, Like I said, I made a comment to you right closer to halftime that it just seemed like at a point the offense itself and the design was a little bit stagnant. I was telling you about a four-round one formation that they kept on doing. They were almost going out of their way to make sure they weren't going to the post because they have those two twins that are like 6'11 and 7'2 down in the post that'll reject anything you bring down right, there. But they weren't even in there in the game really at the same time. No, though, you're right. You know? You're right. They weren't. Like, but they they still have they still Maryland still has a front court with good length. And Jalen Smith, you saw who rocks the goggles out there with the high fade. He is he's sensational. I mean, he, he's a problem. And one thing too, when and Caleb Wesson, Ohio State's big man, he's gonna be in for a challenge every single night in the Big Ten now. And you get the the young true freshman for Indiana, Jackson Davis. So you're going to get to... And then Brunk's a physical big him. man off the bench. Yeah, Joey Brunk is another guy that was in the transfer portal and was somebody that was available. And, and uh, he wound up in Indiana, and he's a Butler guy that's doing some nice things for the Hoosiers off the bench. But it's, it's just something that Caleb's going to see now every single night. And I vividly remember when Jalen Smith... And is there anything that just crushes your confidence more than when you get a shot blocked and you can feel the other player like starting to flex on you. Mm -hmm. Like he's not going to get a technical foul or anything, but it's almost like he could whisper something to you like without like the refs hearing like, Hey, you're not getting anything inside tonight, sure. buddy. <laughs> and it's just like, oh boy, like you, you would kind of just like walk off to the corner, and be like, oh geez, like I gotta find another way. He made like Caleb made one of his best, like pivot steps, and he kind of faded and leaned towards the basket, and Jalen Smith covered up the ground and blocked him. Like I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like it, it came out of nowhere. It was on the right block, and he kind of pivoted back away, and then back towards the basket and leaned to try to shoot one off the glass, and he got it swatted away. I was like, oh, man, like I, I, where did he cover that ground? Yeah, it's no secret, especially in the three years now that Caleb's been with Ohio State, that one of the things he struggled with is against the taller centers. You can go back to Isaac Koss. You can go to Harms, who he's going to face later on this year. Those taller guys that can be physical with him and can get to the ball in terms of when he's got his release point has been a struggle for him. Gonna... And last night really didn't help out with that narrative. No, no. I mean, what do you – what do you think is going to happen with this club going forward? I think there's got to be more of a of a uh, change up on the offensive identity. Like I said, I just felt like it was too stagnant yeah. of times where they weren't really attacking how they needed to. There was times where Smith was getting very aggressive, and you you saw late he got into some foul trouble. I would have loved to have seen more of the guards slashing to the basket, taking it in there, and challenging those big guys. Yes, more often than not, you might get swatted away. But at the same time, you're putting them at risk because I've talked about in previous podcasts, they just lost the Mitchell twins. So their front court was very, very limited in how deep they could go past Smith and then Chaw. So 
if you put those two guys in foul trouble, you really stretch what Maryland can do offensively and defensively. You got to take them off the floor. It would have been to their advantage. I don't know why they instead insisted to just sit around the perimeter and just line up and shoot threes when it obviously wasn't working when you shot 18%. You guys are locked into Mad About Hoops, your podcast for everything that is college basketball. We're going to uh, take a bigger look around the sport, around some of the bigger conferences in the top 25 with what's happened this week and what is still to come. We had some upsets already that we got to get to, and one of the most famous coaches in the sport is possibly to his boiling over point. We will give you that. We'll take a very, very short break here, and we'll be right back. Tim, I don't know if in all the years I've been watching college basketball, and I know we've overused this phrase the entire season already, but I don't think I've seen a crazier landscape to the sport ever, and I don't think it's even close. I mean, just the amount of upsets we're seeing night in and night out. We're having records amounts of top five teams falling before January. It, it's it's unbelievable. I can't even explain it. So I, I think what you're saying is you want to expand that group of teams now that you think can win a championship. I told you 15. Is it 25 now? <laughs> I, I mean. Because <laughs> there might be 35 that could get lucky and make a run to the final four. Remember, I always go with the rule. If Loyola can do it, if George Mason can do it, then the number of teams that, quote, can make a trip to the final four is massive. It's got to like be. Like 55 teams or anyone in the field for that matter. I mean, even last year, Texas Tech. Did you really see that coming? No, no. No. Mm-mm, absolutely no. not. <laughs> I mean, you're you're expanding to about 20 to 25 teams there. Yeah. Who knows at this point? I mean, you it's could really... see a couple fours to six seeds sliding all the way through. Hey, those 12s and 13s sometimes can be dangerous. Really, like oh, four, 14, 15, 16s. The 16s can win games now that we've seen with UMBC. And I, I contest that there will be another 16 to beat a one inside of 10 years. And I, I said that. I think so, too. I said that when UMBC beat Virginia. So I guess that's an eight-year window now since that was two years ago, but I would still stand by that. I just think, don't you think with the way that, like everything that we're seeing on the bigger level right now and how wide open it is and how how many of these blue bloods are vulnerable right now with UNC that we'll talk about. You mean Duke's had some injury issues here, even though they look pretty good. You'll get like... 75% 75% of your blue bloods, you know, looking pretty good. Duke and Kansas are still carrying the torch right now. Louisville yeah, is a really quiet. good team. Like you, as, since the Stephen F. Austin game, you haven't heard from Duke at all. They've They're just, just been, quietly going about business. They've just been quietly looking really good. They've had, uh, like, Wendell Carter is has been injured. Yes, he's going to be out for a little while. Jones was, was out for maybe right. a game or two, but he's going to be okay. So Duke, Duke, I think, is going to be one of those teams that's still there in the end. Yeah, I'm they, glad Duke and Kansas. I think I picked the right blue bloods at the beginning of the season you did. For, for my cheat code teams. I, I mean, just even going down the list of t- everybody was in love with Louisville before the year. You know, they, they had Jordan Nora and what he could do is single handedly carry a team. And I think they lost a stretch of three straight. And obviously you're talking about Ohio state who was up there at two, one point has now lost three to four games in a row. And you're looking at even Maryland at one point. They only scored, I think, like 45 points against Seton Hall. A Purdue team we thought was going to be pretty good. Scores 37 last week in a game. I think it was against Illinois. Or maybe it was Nebraska. But besides the point, we're just seeing so much parity and so much inconsistency. 
from the teams where we've been used to seeing teams that are just constantly winning the games they must. Just see what Florida State did. Hmm? Florida State moved up 10 spots yeah, they... in the polls this week. They beat Louisville yeah, on the road. They beat Georgia Tech. They've won a bunch of games in a, in a row now. The last game that they lost was that one to Indiana where they by got smoked. 20. Yeah, like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, got smoked by Indiana. <laughs> I, I don't get Everybody it. can beat everybody. Honestly, and the number And the number yes. one team in the nation now, the Zags, you know they're a team with Mark Few that you trust. You trust the players that they have right here. They've been for the looking most shaky. Part. But they are going into their mode where they're going to play nobody, and then they're going to wake up one day, and they're going to be in the second round of the NCAA tournament playing somebody that wants to take their head off. I mean, they were down at half at home to Pepperdine. That's amazing. And then I think the game before that, I forget who they played. Was it Sacramento State or something like that? Portland State. Portland State. Or Portland. And they Regular were, Port- they were, Portlandia. They were down in the second half against them. So even they are not safe from whatever this sport has going on right now. It's that West Coast Conference. That West Coast Conference. I mean, you'll get a game against BYU for the most part. I think you fall asleep when you're Gonzaga and then find yourself in a few games against, like what you said, the San Francisco. Maybe the the ghosts of Bill Russell can just haunt you when you play the Dons of San Francisco. Actually won a championship before. I think it was 1954. They might have been multiple. I have to go back and look at the records again. Might have gotten more than one when, when Bill Russell was there, but I think that's how it goes for Gonzaga. But where even you just looking at that team, know. just looking at, I mean, I've watched a little bit of their games. There's no guy that really pops off the map is like, there's no Rui Hachimura on this team. Yeah, Killian Tilly doesn't do it that much for but, you. But he's had a lot of injuries and whatnot, and you just don't know if you can depend on him long term. You don't like Kispert? Kispert is pretty good. I, I do like him, but I don't, he's not making me turn on the channel if I'm just a casual fan. You don't like Ryan Woolridge? Not your guy. Very, very nice guard, but again, they're just they're nice little role players that do their job really well. Yeah. So let me let me tell you what happened with Roy Williams. I just I, I gotta I gotta be critical of Roy here. I I don't think this is this is a, a good way to go about coaching ball. I mean I I get you're at UNC and things you're usually you're used to winning national championships and being right at the top of the ACC standings all the time. But I've I've seen him do this before where he just gets so hot and bothered when the little bit of adversity comes comes your way. Like I guess what I'm saying is I think he can be a big baby at times. Yeah, he's a little spoiled. He can be a big baby. Sure. He said something I, I swear, like I think it was Haiti was having their problems with uh, the earthquake or okay. the floods. So this was years ago. Like this was back. Like I I worked in the area from 07 to 11 to date it that way. So it was it was in there, and you could someone could easily Google this up. But I'm I'm not like typing while we're doing the podcast right here. But he said something about like oh like it's not it's you know some people think that you know it's a catastrophe. It's not a catastrophe because it's my basketball team but it's my world and it is a catastrophe you know and he like actually mentioned what was going on in Haiti like he said someone said to him like don't worry about what's happening to your basketball team think about the people in Haiti and he's like well i mean that that may be a disaster and this might not be a disaster but it is to me right now it was something along the lines of that where it's like hey man like 
you should maybe try to keep things in perspective. And with what he said about his team here on his radio show, so I think it was either uh, it was Monday night or, or Tuesday night this week. So this was coming off it the was, loss to Georgia Tech. It's coming right? off the ugly loss to Georgia Tech. And he started right off and said, how long is this show? And he's doing this with Jones Angel, who Jones would be the Paul Keels here for Ohio State, the play-by-play voice. Took over there. Jones is a really good dude. He took over after the great Woody Durham uh, passed away. I think he finished... I think he finished, and then Woody passed away, I believe, maybe a couple years later. But he said, how long is this show? God almighty. They outscored us in the paint, 58-36. They shot 60%. We shot 42%. There you go, right, with the shooting numbers again, right? How many different reasons? We sucked. Excuse me. We stunk. We were not very good. The crazy thing about it is our team, and we've had some very gifted teams. This is not a very gifted team. It's just not. He says two freshmen replaced Kobe and Nasser with Armando and Cole. And with Cole being hurt right now, it's sort of a decent a decent trade. But that's not that bad of a trade. But Kenny Williams, Cam, and Luke, there's nobody to replace those guys. So it's probably the least gifted team I've ever coached in the time I've been back here. So if you're going to be like that, you need to bring your A game. Even though your A game might not even be an A game, you've got to bring your best to play on game day. He went on and on and on and... It was even worse when you watched his post-game press conference at North Carolina after they lost to Georgia Tech where he was just he was just distraught like he was just downtrodden. Like I just, just watch like the first 90 seconds of that. I just don't understand the benefit. Like what does he get out of just trashing his team publicly? Does he think it's going to motivate him? Does no, it make him uh, no. going to play better? No, I think it I think it cripples your guys. Absolutely. I do. Like I I already thought even if you coached these guys in a spirited, motivational type of way where you were lifting them up everywhere you had a chance. And certainly, like, if you're going to have to rip these guys for something that you just don't think they're getting done, you got to do that in a private forum. Because if, you, if you're if you going to admit there that your A game might not even be an A game, then you're pretty much saying that the max effort and intensity and spirit that these guys bring might only be good enough for sixth place. Maybe even worse in the ACC then why would you go out and bash them? If you set this team up, you recruited them, you can't control the injuries. So don't like take a big giant dump on all the other backups and the second stringers that are coming to fill in for you while those start while Cole Anthony and company is out. It just sounds like excuses to save us behind. I, I don't know what else he could get out of this. It just doesn't... It's one way to turn your players on you. It's just... A, Real fast. It's... It, again, like it's just being a big baby is what I think it is. That's yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like you, you're a you're a hall of famer. You got to act like a hall of famer, like that to me. Like going out there and saying that it's the most disappointed that you've ever. It's the most. I think the the phrasing he was using after the game was it's the most negative I've ever felt about a basketball team. Ah, youch. You know, like that's. Like that's t- that's tough. Like I kind of want to go back. Into, I don't know. I don't know about that. I can't remember what year it was. Was it 2011 or whatever? The year where they were close to 500. Okay. And yeah. I, I kind of want to know what his sentiment was back then because I obviously did not follow Roy Williams that well back in that season. But I just am curious. This might be the year that I was just talking about where that comment came from. You, There's you, a good honestly, chance it of that might be because that's the. That's the only other year that I could think of off the or, – or we could think of off the top of our heads because the reason that Roy came there – and this that was just wild. The, the fact that Matt Doherty 
coached UNC basketball to single-digit wins. Unbelievable. Like, I don't have a really good memory of how awful that was, but that had to be one of the worst things ever, to be a Carolina basketball fan. Oh, for when sure. When they're going, what, eight and something? How? Even the worst coach, like, the, you talk about the worst Carolina teams of all time, that was that was it that year. And then they won a championship in Roy's first year with all those guys. That was his first year. That's incredible. Won a title with all those that. guys. Was that like the preceding year before that? Where they went single digits and then won the next season? Yeah, yeah. So uh wow. 03, 04, or okay, 0405. So there was one season in between. 0405 is when UNC won the championship. Roy had him at 19 and 11, 8 and 8 in the ACC in his first year. So there was one year of transition. But for the most part, a lot of those guys that were a part of that team did wind up winning a national championship, and they were just abysmal. Yeah, your uh, NIT year, 20 and 17. Okay, so there was the one year where they missed the tournament. You're right. Yep. They missed the tournament, and that was 2009, uh, 2010. I, I kn- that was in there somewhere because that obviously was a huge deal. Anytime North Carolina, you live, you live in the triangle, they don't make the big dance. Right. There were some TV There were some TV guys that I knew back there in Raleigh that would always had – this uh, this amazing stat. This dude named Tom Suter, who was a legend back there. He was WRAL TV's sportscaster. He was there for 30 years or so. Like when he retired, Coach K presented him with a basketball, like on the court, like at a in the before a game or at a halftime of a Duke regular season game. Just like how how cool would that be, right? Like you covered sports all your life, and he said to me once that he had never gone more than three years without covering a final four for one of the teams. That's incredible. Like, think about that. NC State, Duke, and UNC. And really, for the most part, after, I think, 74 and then 83 with the the famous Jimmy V championship win. Right. It was really just Duke and UNC, (laughs) just those two. But never going more than three years or so without like traveling to go cover a final four with one of your teams in the event. It's remarkable. That's incredible. It's remarkable. So what else are you looking at? Uh, Yesterday we had some games. As uh, again, we say we're recording this on Wednesday, January 8th, getting ready for some of the big games this weekend, but talking about some of the big ones that already happened. Tuesday night was a big night of top 25 hoops. Maryland, of course, down to Ohio State. Rutgers beat Penn State. Going to Rutgers is not a done deal anymore. The rack, baby. It's alive. Yeah, I mean, they're a they're a 12 and 3 squad right now. So if you plan on sleepwalking there, you will lose. And I believe I don't know is Seton Hall back in the top 25 because that's a they got two top 25 wins then. I don't think Seton's in the top 25 no? right now. But I, I, I I've been, I've been watching a lot of guys that I know and I respect in the business talking about, you know, bracketology and whatnot. They're, Seton even, is not in the top twenty-five. Even Rostin saying this is a this is an NCAA tournament team. Sure is like, right we're, now. We're getting to that point. Of course, yeah. Uh, they beat Penn State without their best player. Geo Baker did not play in that game. That's amazing. You got Ron Harper Jr. though, baby. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Uh, there's just so many narratives in the big conferences right now that I can't really wrap my head around on how they're going to end. I mean, it seems like you have a two-horse race in the SEC between Auburn and Kentucky. I think Kentucky's going to win that out. Uh, the Big East, you can pretty much just pick a team on the map right now. You, Providence is your first place team. That's 3-0 and has a win in Milwaukee against Marquette. 
And the Big 12 is, honestly, between three teams, pretty interesting between Baylor, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Louisville got back on the horse and uh, ripped up on Miami. Miami's not very good this year. UVA is now having some issues as Boston College got them 60 to 53. You mentioned Kentucky. They came back and beat Georgia. Tom Crean and his guys had the lead at halftime. Villanova came back and beat Creighton on the road for a nice win. And Baylor is just one of these incredible teams right now. Number four in the country and beating uh, Texas Tech, one of the final four clubs last year on the road. So that's what happened yesterday in top 25 hoops. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I just covered the big conferences and now I'm looking at the mid majors. It's it's a big jump. Once you get past Stephen F. Austin and Liberty, you don't really know what's going on in that level right now. Like, you don't see teams that are really going to make you sweat come tournament time. But when they get there, they're probably going to be good enough to where there's so much parity in the sport right now that it's just going to equal out. But, I mean, maybe Bowling Green's a quiet team in the MAC you can look at. Uh, I wanted to say Utah State, and I've been saying it since the beginning of the year, but they just went on the road and lost by 19 to Air Force. There's just no real direction. Like I said, outside of— Just happening everywhere, right? San Diego State, too. That's my mistake. San Diego State's in the top 10. So, I mean, they're they're, they're a solid team. San Diego State is undefeated. They're very good. Malachi Flynn— They're undefeated. Malachi Flynn is a good name to recognize come tournament time for that team, and he can lead that team in scoring. Auburn is still undefeated, too. But they haven't really played it. No, I know, but just still, you gotta you gotta mention it. Auburn's undefeated. San Diego State's undefeated. I I think I aired there because for some reason there is a Colorado Buffaloes logo next to Seton Hall. So I was mistaken. That's interesting. <laughs> so I don't know if that means it says Colorado is an other receiving vote. So I think Seton Hall is ranked twenty fifth. I think they're borderline, but twenty fifth. Yeah, besides the point. And Seton, the Pirates have since Powell. Thankfully, his season is continuing on, and he's doing his thing. He scored 27 points a couple games ago against DePaul. They also just beat Georgetown 78-62. So the Pirates have won four games in a row. So they're back to being a contender. We could we could do a whole podcast on Big East basketball, and maybe, oh, easily. maybe it would be fun to later on this week or something because – you look from Providence, Butler, Seton, Nova, Xavier, Creighton, Marquette, DePaul, St. John's, Georgetown. Name me a team there that you would just happily want to go and play right now. None. None. Not one. And I think the only team you could really name is not fully a tournament contender right now would probably be Providence because of the losses they have. But they're leading but the they're conference. they're leading the conference, which is weird. I mean, <laughs> and they're they're ten and six. They have some pretty three and zero in the Big East. They have some pretty bad losses, like really bad. But your point's still taken. They can still beat anybody on any given night. You could get it all back. Oh, plenty of time to sure. get it all back for sure. Playing I mean, in this league, stacking some wins, you can beat a Butler. You could beat a Villanova. You already have a win over Marquette. Yeah, it's it's impressive. I would also be remiss if I did not at least mention once a podcast Dayton. This is this is a solid team. Dayton is just one of those teams where in a year like this, you would feel really, they'd give you a really soothing, calming kind of feel going into the big dance. That's one team that it's, if you're talking mid-majors that's making a run and possibly try to find their way to a Final Four, I'm putting a stamp on that team. Dude like Crutcher, dude like Trey Landers, Dude like Obi Toppin, who you just might a, be the best player in the country, for God's sakes. And you have a five-star coming off the bench, a transfer in E.B. Watson. 
It's amazing. Yeah. And now I know this is completely off limits to a lot of people that ask this question, but Tim, who is the best team in Ohio as of today? <sighs> because I I told my Dayton buddy right why'd now. You, why did you why'd you ask me that today? I wasn't ready to I wasn't ready to put that thinking cap on. It's scary. Dayton right now is a better basketball team. I told my Dayton pal too. I said, you guys have the more you have the deeper team right now, yeah. the more consistent team. While you're not playing, playing the same, better right now. You're playing better. You're not playing the same competition, but at the same time, you can only handle what's in front of you. It, it's true. It's true. I mean, and just think of There's not a whole lot of separation. Caleb Wesson is not going to outplay Obi Toppin. I don't see it. I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, Obi I Toppin agree. is a lottery pick. I agree. He is a freak. That's just, it happened, you know? We don't know how it happened, but it happened. Obi Toppin got to Dayton, and here he is. And he was, he was, <laughs> that's, de- that's he way was goes. decent last year. Like, he was decent. He was decent. decent. Oh, he was the freshman of the year. But the leap. That, like a 15 or 16 a game guy, wasn't he? Yeah, but. It's, yeah, now he's a player nas- of the year contender. The national talk around him wasn't really life, but just the leap. Oh, no, leap, of course not. The leap yeah. he's taken. No, but nobody had heard of him. Like, unless you were listening to college podcasts sure. all the time, nobody would have heard of Obi Toppin. And now the jury's out. He's everywhere. The, uh, I, I got to say, so some of the some of the stuff that's coming up, uh, here's a rundown of your Wednesday action. You don't have uh, you don't have a whole lot of interesting things in the top 25. Florida State's got to go. You've got some of these teams that have built up some clout. They have to go and survive on the road, right? Like Duke's got to go and survive on the road at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech riding high from beating up on UNC. But a lot of teams are doing that. Sure. Auburn trying to stay undefeated at home against Vanderbilt. San Diego State trying to stay undefeated going on the road in their league play against Wyoming. So Wyoming's terrible, but you just you never know, right? Florida State gets all the way up to number 10 in the country. They got to beat Wake Forest on the Wake road. Wake Forest has some good wins they're now. Okay. They beat yeah. Xavier. And they're okay. Kansas has to go on the road and survive Hilton Magic. Iowa State is only 7-6, and six, but if you've ever been there, they got some Hilton Magic, Hilton Coliseum. i got to take a minute. I think we've mentioned him uh, earlier on an earlier episode. Tyrese Halliburton, the yep. 6'5 guard from Oshkosh, Wisconsin for Iowa State. This dude averages 18 points a game. Eight assists and 6.3 rebounds, and he's 53% from the field. This dude is absolutely one of the best players in America. First team All-American for me. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I know at least the NBA ranks really think highly of this guy. I know uh, a bunch of the ESPN guys that do mocks, whatnot, they have him in their top five right now. And unfortunately, he hasn't got the same amount of recognition maybe in college basketball just because the team he's on. I think they're around a 500 Iowa State team right now. Yes, that's true. They're seven and six. They're but, not that good. But I mean, he's the one that's carrying them. Like, make no mistake about it. They, I think they have a very. They had a bad loss recently at home, so there was a lot of mocking about Hilton Magic and whatnot. But I mean, with this guy on the team, anything's possible. Anytime you go into Hilton, anything can happen. I don't care who Iowa State has on their team. They did beat Seton Hall. I mean, they lost to Iowa at home, and they just I think they, they, got, just they lost, lost to, to TCU in overtime here recently. Didn't they lose to like a mid major though? Uh, I thought they, I saw they that. They beat Purdue Fort Wayne. I don't have their whole schedule up here. You you could be right. You okay. could be right in that. So that's what's coming up. And then you mentioned to me when you looked at the weekend, and we'll probably hit you again before the weekend. But oh, it was Florida A and M. Florida A and M. Ooh, with the band, the great band. <laughs> right. They don't bring them for basketball though. No, they don't. <laughs> they should. They should. Oh man. Why? That's... Why not? Like, why couldn't we have a halftime show with the band? I think that would be just as good. That'd be pretty cool. 
you wouldn't have to. They couldn't be as big of a band. No, they got like hundred. They have like hundred and one or but something. You could like fit. That. You could fit a lot out there on a basketball court. I say do it, Florida A and M. It's your thing. I'd watch. Best band in the in, in the world. So use it for hoops. Man, they could they could do it for hoops, and we just have no idea. Right. They might. I like I said, I haven't really paid attention to it. I also want to go back to the Big East real quick. I don't know if you're interested in Xavier and Seton Hall tonight. I'm very interested in that. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you for reminding me. Xavier and Seton Hall is pretty much must-watch basketball. Is yeah. Miles Powell... I haven't paid it close enough attention. Is Miles Powell actually back? Yeah, he's back. Okay. Yeah. Because they he's thought he was going to be out for beautiful. a while with yeah, the, he's, the head he's injury. Back. He's back and he's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I knew that. He scored 27 against DePaul, I think I mentioned earlier, and... Oh, goodness. He's he's their guy. He's their guy. So we'll take one more quick break. We'll touch things up. You guys have Mad About Hoops, episode 9, week 10 of the college basketball season. Thank you so much for listening to us. Give us a review. Give us a star rating. Please tell all your college basketball-loving buddies where they can find us anywhere they listen to their podcasts, any platform. Just tell them to search Mad About Hoops. We'll be right back. Well, we already talked about it earlier on in the show with UNC and Roy's issues with the current team and his outbursts and whatnot. And they got an interesting stretch coming up. I know as of this recording, we're recording on Wednesday, Timmy. And tonight they'll be playing Pittsburgh. And then on the weekend, Saturday, they're going to host a team they have historical greatness against in Clemson. Are you going to be tuned in to what they're doing here on yeah. out after what we've heard? Yeah, and it's and look, it's not a or maybe it is. Maybe it is. Because a lot of people will come at you with the whole like college athlete stuff like, oh, you don't want to see it's not like I want I'm not rooting to see the kids, the student athletes on North Carolina's basketball team fail. It's not where I'm coming from here. I mean, I'm rooting for Clemson. I'm just gonna put that out yeah, there. Yeah, right I mean, now. I'm certainly rooting <laughs> I'm trying to make this sound as the least harsh I can, sure. you know, because it's not like I genuinely don't care about other other kids that are playing college basketball for teams that I don't necessarily like, but I would not call myself a North Carolina fan by any stretch of the imagination. No. I would say I'm more towards a nice just having fun with it, just a good old-fashioned North Carolina hater. That's that's what I am. Look, I went to Kansas, okay? I think it's just only natural when you have rivalries here. Talk to any Duke fan, and it will get a whole heck of a lot uglier when it comes to hating on North Carolina. So the more I talk this up, the, the fewer apologies I have. This is big-time college basketball, right? Like, you've got to be able to bring it. You've got to be able to roll with some punches. These kids all, these kids today, too, they will post so many of the positive things coming their way on social media. So to have no room at all, like, in your, in your intellect for the negative stuff, I just, I, I don't understand that. But either way, I will be tuning into North Carolina because the closer you see a blue blood program like that, approaching a 500 basketball season and then one that could be completely going right off the railroad tracks. I mean, Roy Williams is pretty deep into his career, so there's that storyline. So how is he going to continue to handle it after we just heard him say what he said on his radio show this week? So there's a lot of reasons to tune in. You got a vision, he's close. Close to done. Yeah, sure, like close to the end. Is he going to snap or anything like that oh, wow. throughout the rest of the way? How bad is it going to get? Are these guys going to like be tested and maybe show a little bit more fight? 
He mentioned how they don't really have an A game, possibly, but are they going to be a team that could still muscle their way to some wins because they get proud because they're representing North Carolina basketball? So we'll see. And they play Pitt, and Pitt's interesting because you bring in Jeff Capel. He's the head coach, the guy who was at Duke, the guy that was Coach K's bench coach, and he left he was Oklahoma. The he was the coach at Oklahoma with Blake Griffin. That's right. He was VCU's head coach. It's a dude that's been around the block in this game, and he's had his ups and downs, and Pitt's off to a nice year. Pitt, a couple years ago, didn't win a game in the ACC. I remember that. Not one game with Kevin Stallings, the old Vanderbilt coach, a Purdue guy. And so Jeff just uh, agreed to a two-year contract extension here this week that's going to keep him with the Pitt Panthers through the 26-27 season, and they're going to go on the road to Chapel Hill. Jeff Capel, of course, played in the rivalry for Duke, hit that half-court shot back in 1995 to send a game to double overtime, a game they would eventually lose, but it was a big Big time shot. That was at Cameron Indoor. But let's see if uh, Jeff Capel and his Pitt Panthers can go and continue to wreck UNC's season. What's it going to take for that program to get back? Because all of my childhood, I remembered them as the Jamie Dixon team that was really good in the Big East and was going to be a one or two seed in the tournament. And just once Dixon left, it just fell apart. I think you just have to, you have to trust that you have the guy. And I don't even know if Jeff Capel is that guy. I think it might be a little bit premature to sure. go handing out extensions when you were 14 and 19 in your one complete season. You know what I mean? That seems a little Charlie Weiss, Notre Dame-y to sure. me. I, they're just not getting the same type of prospect. Like win, win a tournament game for me and then you can get the extension. Oh, that's true. We're 10 and 4 and we're a couple of Ohio State basketball fans. Ask us how things are. In the early January, <laughs> we're we're finding out as we we almost need to be reschooled every single year, right? Like it's just something that's always fluid that you always need to get a a checkup or an exam on. Don't get too carried away before you get knee deep into the college basketball season because things can change on a dime. November and December are great until it doesn't matter anymore. Right, right. And now we're sitting here at eleven and four, and the ranking number for the Buckeyes is just plummeting right now. If they don't beat. Indiana on the road, it is just plummeting. But, yeah, you mentioned UNC gets Pitt and then Clemson yeah, on the I, weekend. I, I'm not going to pay attention as much to the, the Pitt game because I'll be more tuned in to, like, Seton Hall and Xavier and games like that. But the game on Saturday versus Clemson is going to be really interesting because there's just a whole historical context behind it. And I say that because the Tigers are 0-58 all time in Chapel Hill. That's not, a, that's not a misprint. <laughs> oh, and 58. That's hard to do. Is that surprising to you, or does that do you look at that one and say, yeah, that makes sense? I mean, it's Clemson and it's North Carolina. Tim, we're talking about a team, like you said, at one point was in single-digit wins back in the early 2000s, and you couldn't get a win couldn't then. Couldn't get a win that year. That's that's bad. you got to at least get one. Clemson was probably also in single-digit wins that, well, that year. I don't know a whole lot about their program No, back no, I, I, couldn't pull that, I couldn't pull that out of the sky. But you couldn't pull an were. upset. You couldn't do any of it. This is a rivalry that, well, I guess you can it's, call it a rivalry, but it goes back. You know what? You're right. It's shocking. It's shocking. They played. Not once. On we're a, asking for one. On and off since 1920-something, and you couldn't get a win in that span. It's a full-blown thing now. It's a full-blown thing. So I will be rooting to see for it. I want them to get their first win in Chapel Hill this weekend, and I think 
if you can't get it now with a team they got going out there every night, and I, I think Clemson's about a 500 team right now, if you can't get this, then I don't know whenever you're going to get it. I'd like to see the one thing I would like out of North Carolina's athletes, I would like them to go full on basketball varsity blues and Roy Williams because becomes Bud Kilmer and he starts doing nasty stuff and he gets found out and the team just goes out there without a coach, nobody, no Roy, maybe coach Robinson is there or they go back and bring coach Haas back to the bench. One of uh, Roy's old Kansas guys, and they just go out and win playing their own game. And that's that. That's how I'd like to see that script end. I just want to see the Central Ohio guys do well, pertaining to Jeremiah Francis and Sterling Manley. Like I think I just have the the Central Ohio pride to that that I want to see them well do well, regardless of how UNC does as a whole. Just seeing their roles increase this year is kind of what all I'm looking forward to seeing out of UNC. Anything else is just you know it doesn't really matter to me. All right, guys, we're going to have a whole lot more college basketball goodness as the season keeps going forward. We're probably going to start hitting you guys on some Fridays to get ready for the weekend. There's a big Saturday slate this week. So we'll do that on Friday because we wanted to catch up. I know we said that last week and the week before when we had the holidays. We wanted to catch up and get at least back to the uh, level line with podcasts at least being once per week. And then we're going to get more than that as uh, the season ramps up. So, yeah, we'll plan on Friday. Big weekend of action coming up. Big couple of days here, middle of the week. So I hope you guys have a good time. Mad about hoops. We're here. Catch you on the next podcast.